Thank you for choosing to listen to our sermon podcast. My name is Chris Mitchell. I'm one of the pastors here at First Covenant Church of Anchorage. If you have any questions or prayer requests, feel free to stop by or send an email to office at anchoragefirstcovenant.com. God bless. Just so you know, if you haven't, if you don't receive the newsletter, um, if you fill out the comment card and check you want to receive the newsletter, um, we send it out every Thursday, um, you can do that. But there is also a link in it this week um, to the Covenant offices where they're collect- collecting donations for Western Alaska. And uh, this is a good time to give, um, to help rebuild. Um, I know most of our churches were okay. It seems like uh, I know the roof blew off of um, um, the parsonage in Mountain Village or at least uh, like all the sheeting, the plywood's still there, but just exposed. Um, but like all the, you know, the, the metal roofing all blew off. And uh, and so all those funds will go to, well, to the needs. And, um, you know, probably determined by the local communities. So that is just one way to help. And there's always good organizations to give to. So praise God this happened um, right after permanent funds. So some people got extra extra money, and I know most of us have already spent that money in our heads, um, but this might be a good opportunity um, to practice giving. Um, so just uh, to put that out there. Now, um, so I became a Christian when I was 15, and after Christ came into my life, it took me a while to read the Bible. Uh, and, and and that might have been surprising if you knew me because whenever you know my my born again experience it was like whoa you know and I was I was a, a, a you know super Christian and I went to church and I went to youth group and and I read the Bible then and I uh, participated in Bible studies with my mentors and I read lots of Christian books um, and and lots of part of the Bibles but I didn't read the Bible itself actually when I first started going to church I um. There's lots of references to stories I didn't know that happened at church. And uh, so I, I got um, a picture Bible. And um, actually, we, I think we have a copy kind of out in the narthex there. It's just a comic book Bible, just so I could learn all the stories that everybody was always talking about, because I didn't know what people were talking about. And so I got that, and I read it so I could kind of know the reference points, um, because I didn't go, grow up in youth group and learn all those things in Sunday school. And... So as a teenager, I, 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 was, I was actively a Christian. I was participating and doing all the Christian stuff. But it didn't really occur to me to actually read the Bible itself. Right? I read, read these devotionals that use the Bible, but I didn't actually just read the Bible. Um, but then my senior year, uh, my youth pastor decided to start um, an after-school Bible study. And basically, the, the kind of the format was, was that each participant would pick a book of the Bible, and then basically just give a book report about it to everybody else um, in the group. And that was it. And you know, it was, I mean, I don't remember any truths I learned there or anything. It wasn't like that sort of experience for me. But it was awesome because it was the first time I actually just read the Bible. Like, I can do that. Um, and I just didn't use it as a reference book. Right, because sometimes that's how we use the Bible. We like we use it as a reference book. You're like, oh, 
these are good things. Like now, where can I find a verse that supports that? You know, and and so, but like, I, I just read it, and um, the Bible study it only lasted a quarter. Um, not too many kids were super interested because it was kind of a dry study, really. I mean, it's just book reports, but it changed my life. And I'm telling you all of this because the first book of the Bible I read as I became a Christian was First John. And so it has a very, very special place in my heart. And for the rest of the year, from now until Christmas, uh, we are going to be reading First John. And we're reading it because it really centers in on God's love. And it's a, really a repetitive book because you're, you're going to find um, in the newsletter, I put like a little video explaining uh, the structure of the, the book. And it repeats the same themes over and over again. It actually kind of has a circular pattern to it. Um, it just kind of goes deeper and deeper and deeper into the same things. Um, but um, it's just really centered on God's love. And as you know, that has been the theme of this year. That's what we've been focusing on all year is God's love. So that's the rest of this year. So with all that being said, let's actually um, start reading First John. And this is First John 1. 1, 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at, and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life of a has appeared, and we have seen it and testify to it, and we proclaim it to you, the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. And we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you may also have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to you to make our joy complete. Now, uh, this book, it was kind of assumed that it was written by the Apostle John. It could have been another John, but, they, they, but from the earliest church history, like, it's always been assumed this has been the Apostle John. And he's also credited with writing the Gospel of John. Um, and, and some things about John is John is the youngest of the Apostles. So he, he was the youngest of the 12 disciples that followed Jesus around. And, and sometimes in his gospel, um, he's called the disciple that Jesus loved. Um, so he had a very special relationship with Jesus. And according to church history, he's also the only disciple that wasn't martyred. Um, he lived an old life and died an old death. Okay, All the other disciples were, were killed for their faith, but not John. And so this letter, it starts with John just saying, hey, this is what I saw. I was there. I saw Jesus. This is what I saw. I heard him. I touched him. I was there. And I want you to know what I learned from hanging out with him. Because I want you to know Jesus. The real Jesus. Because I want you to know him and to be in relationship with him and to live with him forever. Not, to be, not some imitation Jesus, but the real Jesus. The one that I lived with. Right? The one that I learned from and I worshipped with. And that I served. That Jesus. And now John is probably emphasizing his personal knowledge of Jesus because uh, there are some teachers that were kind of advocating a different understanding of Jesus. A lot of these letters, whenever you kind of get into the letters, they're all written in responses of things that are kind of happening in local communities. And uh, so what that was going on was there were some, some Gnostic teachers. Uh, and, and they were teachers that kind of complained that they had some secret special knowledge about God and Jesus. You know, they had some special teachings. Now, there's a lot that we don't know about God, and there's a lot that we don't know about Jesus. 
and the way everything works. But not because it's hidden. Um, and it's not because it's secret. But it's just because God's so big, we can't know everything about something that's infinite. Uh, so we learn things about who God is all the time. But God's character, his nature, his heart, his love, that, that we know. That we can trust. And that we can move into more deeply. And God wants to be in a relationship with us. And th those Gnostic teachers were, were advocating special knowledge that only special people knew, right? Only special people got to know. And, and that's just not the way it is with God. God's revealed himself. God wants to be known. God wants to be in relationship. Now, one of the bits of special knowledge um, that they, they kind of believed was that Jesus uh, wasn't real. Um, I mean, they believed in Jesus, but, not that he, but he wasn't really real. He was like a projection. Um, they believed he, that, that he, he taught and he looked real and he was actually around, but that he didn't really have a body. He was, a, he was, a, he was kind of a spiritual ghost. He was a spiritual being. Um, he wasn't really crucified because he didn't have a body, and he didn't really die because he was never really alive. Um, and, and so because they really thought that all flesh, all, all of our bodies were bad. And this is where you know, my son would make the joke, because God loves our bodies, because I made a sermon earlier this year that, uh, about how God loves our bodies, and it's still being joked about, and I'm being teased in my household for not passing the junior high test with that sermon. Um, but John is coming out swinging. He's like, no, 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 I, I knew him, I saw him, I heard him, and I touched him. He was real, he had a real body, he was a real, real being. And I want you to know the truth. All right, next chapter, or the rest of the chapter. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Now, um, this section of scripture, and actually if you include the next two verses in the next chapter, um, there's six if-then statements, and you can kind of do a study going over the if-then statements. Um, I'm not going to do that, but just so you know, if you wanted to do your own personal study and actually read the Bible yourself, notice there's six if-then statements there. Um, and it's valuable. So there's three kind of negative statements and three positive statements. But I kind of want to go over some of the main points in those statements. Um, first, the big point. God is light. All right? That's why we sing in the light uh, this morning. Um, uh, remember, this is a pre-modern society. They didn't have electric lights. And it wasn't like Alaska summertime. At night, it was dark. And things could be hidden in the dark. Bad things could happen in the dark. But the light is the source of all good things. It gives light to see. It causes crops to grow. It gives warmth. It gives safety. And even in the dark, even if the dark, when you're in the dark, light is a source of hope. Right? You get lost. You see a light out in the distance. You're like, oh, there's going to be someplace safe. There's going to be at least people there. So all throughout Scripture, light is associated with God. Uh, Psalm 27.1, the Lord is my light and salvation. Actually, that's part of the verses for in the light. Um, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. 
Of whom shall I be afraid? Micah 7.8, Do not gloat over me, my enemy. Though I have fallen, I will rise. Though I sit in the darkness, the Lord will be my light. Right? The light is a good thing. Um, and there's more psalms I could go over. But Jesus himself also called himself the light. Uh, this is also written by John in his gospel, John 8.12. When Jesus spoke to the people again, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. God is light. It's our hope, our safety, our healing, our source of wholeness, and all that is good comes from God. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. That's James 1.17. There is no darkness in God. God does not wish harm. God does not hate. God is not against us, but is for us. There's no malice. There's no evil in God. John said that in him there is no darkness at all. And I think sometimes we have a hard time believing in that. Um, and I don't think it helps. Sometimes we say um, platitudes that kind of reinforce uh, negative stereotypes. We mean them in best attention ways, but I think they kind of um, reinforce negative ideas about God. Like whenever bad things happen, we say, well, God must have had a plan. Or um, God's ways are higher than our ways. But I just want to be clear, like hurt, destruction, abuse, violence, death, those are not God's plans. God is not the author of evil. He's the author of good. In him there's no darkness at all. And those bad things, um, bad things are the result of sin, which is a rejection of God. And as I often say, I say this all the time, as you guys should be used to this now, God loves us too much to let evil have the last word in our lives. That which is meant for harm, right? That, those things that do harm, God can turn around and use for our good. So evil does not have the last word. I'm not trying to deny bad things don't happen. Bad things happen all the time. But God does not let evil have the last word. And God will turn around everything for his good. Okay, so that's my first thing I want to say. God is light and in him there is no darkness. And God wants us to walk in his light, not in the darkness. God wants us to walk in his goodness, not in the broken patterns of this world. Now, that doesn't mean we don't mess up. That doesn't mean that we won't get things wrong accidentally or even intentionally sometimes. But those things are not the defining points of us. So through confession, we can have a real relationship with God and with one another and even with ourselves. And, um, I mean, real relationships require honesty. I mean, have you ever been in a relationship with somebody that could not admit that they're wrong? Like, so, and I'm not even talking about a romantic relationship, though sometimes in romantic relationships, uh, that makes it harder, too. But um, any relationship, a friendship, where somebody cannot admit that they're wrong. A work relationship, and they cannot admit they're wrong. Um, a classmate, a student, um, a shoot, even, even playing sports. The untruth, they like, it's like they put up a barrier between you, right? Um, I remember, this is true. When I was a teacher, um, and I was trying to work with some students, some of the students, their biggest difficulty was at first accepting that they did not know what I was trying to teach them, right? It's, it's like they, 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 they kind of thought that they knew. I'm like, no, no, wait, no, wait, you don't know that. Like, let me teach you. Um, and if, until they can kind of say, like, 
no, all right, you're right, I don't know. Like, it was almost impossible to get through. Uh, real relationships, they require honesty. And that's true with our friends and with our family, um, with ourselves and with God. And sometimes we act as if people um, knew the truth about us, that they would turn away in horror. And, I mean, and let's face it, um, it's true. Sometimes that will happen. Um, some people will. Not everybody can handle everything about us. We can be too much for some people. I know I can be too much for some people. And uh, sometime, especially when I'm tired, or I'm off my meds, or whatever, um, sometimes people can be too much for me. But we are never too much for God. We can be real with God. And we don't have to minimize our baggage, and our past, and our sins to make them more socially acceptable to God. God can handle them as they really are. And we don't have to wonder if God will love us even less if he really knows us, because God loves us perfectly. He loves us wholly. He loves us completely. And there's nothing that changed that. God made us and God loves us. And so we don't have to worry that God would love us less if God really saw us. And we don't have to worry about driving God away. Right? The psalmist, uh, so he says, if we descend into the depths of hell, God will be there with us. If we climb to the highest heaven, God will be there. Uh, one of God's names is Emmanuel, right? Which means God with us. God will never leave us or forsake us. We can be real with him. We just have to be honest with them. We just have to be honest with God. And, and honestly, the truth is we're all broken. right? We're, we are not who we should be. Um, it's like Paul says in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Uh, and I don't say that so that we can feel guilty about ourselves, right? to, to cause shame, because that's the truth. Um, none of us are all that we were meant to be. And sometimes it's because choices that we have made, and sometimes it's just because of the choices that other people have made around us that we're in relationship with. Um, but none of us have emerged untouched by this world. We've all fallen short. And if we could admit it, if we can humble ourselves to admit our brokenness and sin, Christ can come into our lives and bring healing to rescue us. We may have fallen short. Right? We, may, we may fall short. We do fall short. But the cross stands in that gap. Jesus is how God rescues creation. Uh, to paraphrase the famous uh, Swiss theologian Karl Barth, through Jesus, God refuses to be God without us. Right? Christ makes up the gap. And our relationship with God can be as real and as deep and as transformative as we are willing to go. Right? And hopefully... Um, that's what we're doing here. Um, in church and in fellowship, we're training to have our lives transformed. We're training to learn how to be honest to God so that we can live more fully in his light. And I, and I say this over and over again. I feel like there's, I'm starting to get a list of like th things I say over and over again. But, um, but we constantly need to repent. Repentance is God's gift to us. It means that we don't have to be stuck in sin and death and loneliness and hurt and alienation. We don't have to walk in the darkness. Repentance means that we can turn around, that we can turn towards God. And, and I said, said that earlier, sometimes we are too much for people. 
And I say it because it's true, right? Sometimes we just are. And I would love for us to, to be a community that welcomes and loves everyone, where everyone can be completely and totally honest with each other about everything that's going on in their heart. But that takes time. We're not there yet. It's hard. Real intimacy takes time. And, and sometimes um, our hurts, when we kind of confess our sins and our hurts, and that can trigger other people's sins and hurts, and they just kind of butt up against us. Or, or sometimes, and this is really dangerous when it happens, like sharing our vulnerabilities exposes them to other people's you know, sinful desires and temptations. Right? So we, have to, we do have to exercise some cautions, but those are real problems with any community. So we need to learn how to be wise, how we confess and share things. But that does not mean that we do not confess and share things. It means that we do it wisely. Because if we, need, if we want to be a real community, we need to learn how to have real vulnerability. And real vulnerability means that we're really open to being hurt. I mean, that's kind of the definition of it, right? Vulnerability. Um, because people who really know you can really hurt you. Actually, that's one of the reasons why family relationships can be so difficult sometimes. Because uh, those relationships, family relationships, have like a level of intimacy uh, deeper than most other relationships because of time and shared experiences and history. But sometimes they haven't earned that trust that goes with that. But if you want to have a real relationship, there has to be a willingness to be open and honest and vulnerable. The depths of our relationship with God and with other, with each other is based on how real we're able to be. And we're all really broken. We're all really hurt. We all have baggage. And, and sometimes we've been carrying our hurts around for so long, we don't even remember that they're there. This is a true story. Sometime this summer, I got a splinter in my foot. Um, and it hurt, but I couldn't get it out. And so I ignored it. And pretty soon, I barely noticed it, unless I stepped wrong. And um, so I didn't take care of it. And I don't know when it happened. It was just sometime this summer. And I got a callus that formed around it. And it was still sensitive, but I don't know when I got it. I don't know where I got it. I don't know anything about it. But every once in a while, I would just step funny. And I was like, ah. And it hurt. And eventually, I was like, I told my wife. I was like, honey, I got this splinter. It's too deep. I can't get it. And uh, so she tried to get it. And she's like, I, I can't get it. And, now, and she's like, well, let's just keep an eye on it. And we promptly both forgot about it. And, and so it was at least another month I had it. And that little, that little it was actually the tip of a thorn, um, it, uh, it got infected. And I didn't even remember that I had it. But then it got infected, and it started to swell, and started to pus. And, um, and I had to go to a doctor and say, hey, I got this hurt. I don't know how I got this hurt, but I know I'm walking around with this thing, and it, it's, it's a real painful. And so she had to cut the callus out. The doctor, she had to cut the callus out, and she had to give me shots in the bottom of my foot, which are the most painful shots I've ever had in my life, in the bottom of your foot. Ugh. Um, anyways. But I couldn't be well until I just admit there was something there. Something there I didn't even know how got there. But there's something I'm carrying around. There's something that's causing me to limp. And we, we're all like that, right? We all have sin in our life like that. But we're, we're all walking wounded. Sometimes they're obvious, 
and we can't ignore them, and sometimes they're hidden. Sometimes we don't recognize it until it's so bad that we can no longer ignore it. Um, I think that's, you know, that's part of getting older. It's like recognizing, like, all those things I thought I could ignore when I was younger, those are all caught up to me now. <laughs> now I have to deal with it. Um, but there's a healer. And his name is Jesus. And he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness because of his great love for us. And that is what John saw. Right? That is what John experienced. That is what he heard, what he, what he saw, what he experienced as he spent time with Jesus. And that's why he wrote this letter. So that we can confess our sins. So we can learn how to be honest. And so we can be healed and have a real relationship with a real God. Let's pray. Holy Father God, Lord, I thank you for being the great healer. Lord, I thank you for being the light. Teach us to walk in your light. Teach us how to be vulnerable um, with you, with one another. Uh, give us wisdom. Give us discernment. And teach us humility. So that we can confess we don't have it all right. That we're, we're broken and we need you. That we've fallen short and we need you. That we're sinful and we need you. Because in you there's health and wholeness. Because you're the source of all that is good. And in you there's no darkness at all. And through your son Jesus Christ. We too can be forgiven, and we can walk with you in that light. In Christ's name, amen. Worship.